When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is John Reardon, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. John, to start off, I want to ask you kind of like, I guess a little bit of a fun question, but like, have you ever been to Newfoundland? I feel like people are going to be like, is he serious right now? But I want to ask you, because where I asked that, your first time being in Newfoundland. What was the experience like? Were you kind of blown away, pun intended, or was it kind of like, oh, my God, I want to leave now? <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, I'm from Halifax originally, so fellow Atlantic province um, team we, member. Team member, yeah. However, however you want to put it. But I had a lot of friends in university from uh, St. John's in Cornerbrook. One of my friends from Cornerbrook said, you should really go to Gross Morn because uh, I, I, I like to camp. So I took the ferry from Cape Breton over to uh, the West Coast and I stayed there for a week. And I, could, I just I couldn't believe that there wasn't more people talking about it because, you, you know, you hear you hear about all the fjords in Scandinavia and people come from all over the world. And I'm thinking this is, you know, an hour and a half flight from Halifax. And I don't understand why everybody from Halifax isn't, isn't coming here to do this. Everybody in Canada isn't coming here to do this. And it was spectacular. And then we, we spent some time on, uh, I can't remember what the name of the beach was. It was in the summer. It was this beautiful white sandy beach. And I got introduced to Tuckamore Trees because it was it was very windy when 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 we were there too but i mean it was so warm out and i i just remember it being a pretty incredible experience so yeah i when i when i came, knew that i was going to be coming back here for the show i was re- uh, very excited to come back but i had never been to st john's so so that was uh, a whole other experience if you came to newfoundland like was mon ever an option for you because i know you went to a university there in New Brunswick, but like, yeah. cause I, listen, I, I'm from Newfoundland. I did a year at Munn and I was kind of like, I like it, but to me, it just felt like a bigger high school. And I was like, yeah. I want to kind of expand a little bit. So then I was looking at Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. I ended up going to Ottawa, but was oh, that yeah. like ever on your radar where it was like, like I'm, I'm an East coaster. It's only about an hour and a half away. So I can still come home, but mm-hmm. it'd be nice to, nice to see Newfoundland. Was that ever an option? Ottawa, is that the GGs? Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't not GGs with me. I'm a Raven. I'm a Carlton oh. student. Oh, the, Carlton. You, you, my apologies. Yeah, my no, apologies. yeah. Oh, I touched the sore spot there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the enemy. That's the you know. Yeah. yeah so, like, mention that. Mention though. Like, was it ever like an option to go to Mon? Because I know with I think it's like Mount Allison. You went to correct. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed, uh, impressed you know that. Um, yeah, so I, I went to Mount A. I, uh, I ended up going to Mount A because I wanted to play football. Uh, I played uh, I played while I was there, and unfortunately there wasn't a team here. But I had applied to Mun. I applied to three schools, or four schools, Mun, Acadia, Mount Allison, and Dal. And Dal was in Halifax, so I just figured... You know, I, I feel like I kind of need to venture out on my own a little bit. Really came down to Acadia and Mount A for, to be able to play football. But when I graduated, I before or like once I got my undergrad, I thought that I might try and go to Munn to go to med school. But I, I, I took a year off and I started acting, and, and then I went to theater school instead in Dublin. So, yeah, it was kind of a complete a complete turn. But then Dublin very much reminded me of home, of, of Halifax. And then when I came to St. John's, it reminded me so much of St. John's. It felt so familiar, just very similar, you know, culture and, and, and feel and connectivity of the people. And it kind of felt full circle, even though I wasn't here for, for university. It felt like a, a level of I, that, that this was right. This was, you know, I was supposed to be here and it was a good fit. 
so take me through that process of because like you know for me going from newfoundland to ottawa or anytime someone's like well like i i had dreams when i was in like university even that i wanted to be like a, an actor or on snl or like because i was like because you'd get people in your class it's like you are quietly funny and i'm like what does that even mean it's like well you're not a class clown but when there comes a joke and you see an opportunity you just go for it i'm like that's all right that's weird like a backhanded compliment but sure but you're going basically from Halifax to Dublin. Like that does not even cross my mind. Like that sounds like something like a 14 or 15 year old will threaten their parents with like, if you, if I don't get my way, I'm yeah. going to Dublin. And they're like, let, let John be John. But like what goes through your mind? Cause like you want to be an actor, but at the same point, why Dublin? Like what made you apply there or say this, this is where I want to go. Oh yeah. I, I... To be honest, a friend yeah. dared you. A friend dared you, and you're friend, like, "All right, yeah." yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's more it's more in line with that than is is some kind of master plan. Uh, certainly, and I wish that you know I could say that there was some form of strategy involved. It kind of really just sort of ended up because I actually didn't go straight straight to uh, theater school. I I worked for a little while. I had done a lot of theater when I was a kid, and then I kind of got out of it. When I started high school and university, I, you know, I um, was kind of involved with other things. And then, but kind of in the back of my head, I was like, oh, you know, the acting thing still, you know, still kind of appeals to me. And so after I had finished at Mount A, I, you know, decided to get back into it a little bit. And I, I, I got a few jobs, which sort of, I had been a poor student and, and then all of a sudden I had, you know, some money and, and I was like, oh, this, this isn't too bad. I'm not sure I want to go back to go back, go right back to school. And so, yeah, I worked for a while and then I, I ended up doing a few uh, TV series. And then my wife actually suggested at the time, we weren't married at the time, but she suggested, oh, we should go to London and, and take, you know, there was a, a class at, um, place called uh, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art where they do Shakespeare I would teach you know teach Shakespeare for four months and we had done some when we were younger so we were like oh yeah this would be fun to you know be involved in this and do a play and and so we did that together and then at that point I met the teachers that suggested that I come to Dublin school that was opening up there and and, and that sort of so it took me a little while to get there I had already become a little jaded at that point, maybe, or, or <laughs> understood how not crucial I was to the, to the industry. And so it was, it was a very good experience to go and sort of ignite my excitement um, for, for the job and, and, you know, to come back uh, feeling like, you know, I, I really had a handle of, of what I was doing. That's fair. I won't leave you high and dry on that one. Like when you said about jadedness, it's like, I remember being at Algonquin and you'd have people come in because I was in radio yeah. and people, you'd get like guest speakers come in and they'd be like, yeah, you'll do, you'll be doing un, unpaid internships. I'm like, wait, so I have to move to Toronto, Calgary, wherever. And I get unpaid and they're like, we're paying you an experience. I'm like, what a cop out. And then it'd be like, but you have to send us your demos. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 20 odd. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, if you want me so bad, why don't you listen to our radio station and see which people you want? And then when you get older, you're like, they don't have the time of day to listen to every radio station. Like you have to be driven enough to send it out. But being a 20 year old, I was just like, it's like, screw you guys. You want me? It's like, you come find me. Yeah. Not like the other way. <laughs> now when you get older, you're like, oh man, how are they expected to find you? There's so many radio stations. There's so many platforms you have to kind of be like, hey, check this out. And then they'll be like, hey, you know what? He took the time to send it to us. We'll check it out. And now he's on our radar. But yeah, 20-year-olds don't think like that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. There's kind of like a, a gauntlet to walk. And, and I guess that's sort of part of it is you never really you never really get to the other side of it until you've actually, you know, done it and paid your dues. And of course, when, you know, you're in your 20s, it's like you, you have you have all the time in the world and, and, you know, it's, it's all going to fit into place. And then, uh, you know, you, you don't realize that all the stories of people who have kind of, you know, come into these opportunities and, and everything, there was a lot of preparation and a lot of, you know, like you say, grinding and, and sending stuff out to, to kind of, you know, make that uh, come to fruition. 
Do you remember, like, because I know we've asked this with Mako, and I believe we asked it with Justin on their episodes, but do you remember, like, your first ever, like, acting credential or, like, even your first kind of, your acting moment where you thought, like, okay, I made it, but when you look back at it, you're kind of like, oh, it's like, that's kind of cringy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. I would still say... I don't feel that way. I, f- I feel, I mean, I've, al- I've always kind of been of the mind that whatever I'm working on at the time could end at any time. So I, I don't think I've ever sort of really felt, okay, you know, here I am, I'm safe. I'm in, I'm in the spot that I want to be. But I do remember when I, I second guessed whether or not this was the right industry for me. I had done a few things in Halifax and I decided that I needed to move to Toronto if I was you know, going to have an opportunity to, you know, to work on some, some larger productions and stuff like that. And my first audition in Toronto, I walk into the room, it's jam packed with people who look exactly like me, but two inches taller and, you know, more muscular. And, and then they take me, you know, into the sort of back room and they're like, okay, now turn around and we're going to photograph the back of your head. And I remember thinking, why? What? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's a, it's a shampoo commercial and we are, you know, we want the, per- the person with the perfect back of the head. And so before I really knew what I, you know, they took a photo and I was, I was done and I was out and then I didn't get it. And then I, I was just like, wow, like I've moved all the way to Toronto and the back of my head wasn't even good enough, you know, to, to get a job. Like, what am I doing? Unfortunately, I held out for a little bit longer, but it was one of those. It was one of those moments where you're like, ah, okay, I see, I see how this is, gonna, how this is going to be. I'm going to have to, you know, set up some uh, some boundaries with how, <laughs> you know, how I uh, take, you know, take in things from from the industry and stuff. There, there was just probably people. There was probably people there that were just head and shoulders above, you know. Like, oh. <laughs> oh that was uh, good though it was quick that was good it was quick, quick. and it was it was on the fly but no i under, <laughs> i understand where you're coming from because actually i found this because i was like you know we are going to be talking about a, a bit of acting so like much like you now you want to be in football when you were younger like that you want to be a pro athlete i originally thought okay i want to be in broadcasting but i wanted to be kind of in acting now i kind of try to keep my boots in that you know like sometimes mm-hmm. hudson and rex will come out with stuff and be like hey we're filming in witless bay i'm like great and then i would be like i have to be the only person that like wants this gig it's like no and i'm like crap so i found this this was when i was in like junior high it's a uh it's like I guess it went straight to VHS. That's how good it was. Oh, not yes. even in not even in movies. It's just called peer pressure and no drugs. So yes. yeah, it's it, like seven seven minutes. But like, dude, we couldn't even show this. Look, like that's how bad it was. Right to VHS. And you know how many we sold? Three. No, no. <laughs> is, is that a, P- a PSA? Yeah, it is, it is a PSA. It's like something like when you go into school and they want to kind of give the smart kids a break and like, you know, they're just like, yeah, you can go to Mun for like a week and figure out what you want to do with your life. I'm like acting. I want to be in acting. Yeah. And then I, I think I've like one guy that was giving us the directions was like, yeah, can you take direction? I was like, not really. It's like I'm in my own world over here. So. Well, I mean, you've got the VHS though. You've got uh, you. You have you have this. Proof. This this is my demo reel for like when they're looking for kid actors. I'll be like here, and they'll be like, oh, can you bring in your kid? I'm like, no, that's that's me. And they're like, you don't look like that anymore. I'm like, but I got the job, right? And they're like, get out. <laughs> you need some new material, Brian. You need some yeah. new materials. Yeah. <laughs> Something a little more current. Yeah, I, I'll send them like interviews or podcasts. And then they'll be like, so what role do you want to play on the show? I was like, oh, I'll be like that podcast guy that like hacks into systems. And they're like, we've done episodes on that already. I'll be like, okay, well, you know, do a few more. Podcasts, podcasts here, you know, they're, they're pretty popular right now. So I think, uh, there's all, there's always room for, uh, there's always room for two episodes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So, so you be careful, John, I, by the end of this, I will pitch myself into the show and I'll give you a script and then someone's going to be like, man, why, why didn't we use that episode? And they'll be like, cause it was yeah. Tobin. It was Tobin. We don't use stuff from Tobin. Tobin I, and I, Rex. Yeah, yeah. Tobin and Rex. They'd be like, but I liked, I like Charlie. I'd be like, well, he kidnaps Charlie. And that's how this whole thing comes about. I want to ask you, of course, with Hudson and Rex, like you wrapped up now season four. People can watch season four wherever they want to. I think there's numerous platforms you can watch that. We have mentioned this to Mako, and I want to get your kind of 
interest or, or take on it. The whole mobile unit, because I remember getting into Mako a little bit about like how I did not like the mobile unit at the beginning because I was like, each one of you had your own thing. Then I was like, I think the first episode could have been either season three or season four. It's brought into place. But I was like, what, what's on the go with the mobile unit? Like, is what was the idea behind it? Yeah, I think the big thing that was the attempt to keep us all together. I mean, one of the big selling features of the show is being out in the world in St. John's. And it's one of the only shows that I think really, you know, says it is is where it's shot and tries to highlight it really well. It's one of our, I think, one of the best aspects of our show. So it was kind of an effort to bring all of us out into the field where we could have kind of these big sweeping landscapes. And actually, I believe the first the first mobile unit episode was actually shot in Whitless Bay. Nice. So you and I wasn't involved. To... I wasn't involved, John. Thanks well, a lot. No, no. <laughs> I mean, is that why you don't like the mobile unit? Because okay. I feel like you, you, you got me. You got like me. It. No, no, no. You have you to me. like it now. It was in Whitless Bay. Yeah. I, well, fair enough. There's going to be an audience out there now that's like, oh, he got him here. I'm like, you know why? That's that's fair. <laughs> I, I just I just always thought it was kind of like when I first was watching it in the first couple of seasons, like, OK, I get it. Like, I get why each we're going to this scene. We're going to a lab because this is where she is. We're going to like a computer like station because that's I'm like this now all ties in of how they solve this case when it's all of you together. And it's like, you know, listen, you can take offense if you want to. But I was like, is this like real life Scooby Doo? Like, you know, am I watching Scooby-Doo here? I see, I see the mystery machine. Yeah. You know, I, I, never like, really th- I never really thought about that. But now that you're bringing it up, I mean, I kind of love that. Like, maybe maybe it just needs, maybe the mobile unit just needs to be a little more retro. Like, I mean, I, 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 bit, I, I can picture it for you. Like, you know, like you got Jesse as Shaggy. You know, you got, well, obviously yeah. Rex is Rex. Like, you know, he can be Scooby-Doo. Like, you know, Falma, Louise, yeah. you got it all there. But, you know, wh- whatever the other characters. But, yeah, Fred, don't, like, buy that idea because I would hate to see it where it's like, yes, after season five, we're done. Why? What happened? Well, this guy Tobin pitched it to John, and John turned it into Scooby-Doo, and we didn't like it, so now it's over. <laughs> and then there'd be an audience be like, where's Tobin? Can we find Tobin? We want him canceled. I'd be like, please, No. I'm just trying to think who I'd be in that scenario. I'm thinking Daphne. Would I be Daphne? Sure. Or, if you want to be Daphne, man, like it's, it's fair. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, you'd be, I was thinking more like Fred, but you know, if you want to be Daphne, Fred. yeah, <laughs> Fred, but uh, I guess, you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin's like our superintendent. He might, he, maybe he's Fred Mako's Daphne. Maybe I'm Thel- Thel- Velma. Yeah. Yeah. Velma. Velma? There. Yeah. I think I'm Velma. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm not even sure. Glasses. Yeah. <laughs> at the at the end of season four, I think Mako was kind of mentioning it as well. Like we're starting to see this kind of love interest between you and her character. Like now, there's people that that like that. There's people that love character development. But like, I guess for your standpoint, do you like like that idea where the show is going in that kind of route where it's like, okay, you're drawing people in obviously for the mystery of like who committed this murder. But there's also maybe the side of like, okay, will they, won't they? Like they're starting to kind of get their own development. Now, uh, before you answer that, like I kind of bring into TV shows like, you know, Friends, you knew off the bat that there's something going on with like Rachel and Ross. Big Bang Theory, you get it with Leonard and Penny. But then like other characters come into play in Big Bang Theory and they start to branch off. But then you can maybe watch Big Bang Theory a different way for those characters. Do you think that's kind of where... Hudson and Rex is going where people will watch it for murder, but there are people are watching it now almost like, all right, I'm invested in these characters. What's going on? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's all really good, uh, really good point. It's, um, I think we can afford that now that we're in the fifth season and the fact that we've established this, you know, expectation with the procedural elements of the show that, you know, case every week you know that we're going to slowly unravel it until act five, uh, where we, we figure out, um, you know, who the murderer is. So I think people have that expectation and, and, you know, now that they've seen 64 episodes, which, which is where we're at at the start of season five, I think there's been a desire to sort of see the characters a little bit more as how they interact with each other. And, and instead of just from a, you know, a plot perspective, starting to see some of the character perspective. And 
And also, I think even for the writers and the actors on the show, there's there's a a need for the storylines and the characters and the story worlds to grow and evolve. So, yeah, I guess it's partially a process of keeping it fresh, partly a process of, you know, the audience getting to see some of the stuff that they you know post on social media and stuff come to fruition and yeah and uh not to give any you know spoilers away of of where sarah and and charlie are going but obviously if if people watched the last episode they noticed that you know we discuss charlie and sarah having interest in each other so obviously that's the that's the first time that anything really has happened at all. So that's the, that's the thing is that I think that over time, the audience trusts that they're going to see the things that they love and then they'll slowly other storylines will evolve as well. Yeah. Like, cause I, I think with most TV shows or like anything, like even movies and stuff, you kind of start to see it ravel and that kind of creates its own fan base of certain aspects of like, well, here's the moment where this should have happened or here's a moment where you start to see it. Like I'm not, I'll be honest. Like I'm not, heavily up on every episode like when it comes on i'll watch it but i've got some binge watching to do per se but like (laughs) i remember there's one where you kind of got where you both get stuck in maybe an ice rink or like the freezing part of the ice rink yeah and then it's almost like um you know in order to keep yourselves alive or whatever you have to cuddle together and then i was like okay this is i guess where they're starting the motion because like if you don't like the person or you don't have feelings at all you're kind of like i would rather die than be cuddled with you. And I'm just like, I've heard that one before. No, uh, I'd rather, but like, I feel like that's where kind of started. Now other people would say that's where the fan base starts to come in and they'll be like, well, actually, if you look at this episode over here, it's like, he looks at her a certain way or she says this in this certain manner. I'm like, okay. So if it's like, they start to develop it themselves, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to, to point that out because you do start to, to see it. And then there's people that like the, the mystery part. And then there's people that like characters developing over time. And I feel like if the character doesn't, if it just stays the same thing, it's almost like, all right, well, I know how every episode's going to go. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing there to kind of watch anymore. Yeah, it's it's certainly a balancing act too, because like the episode that that episode uh, in the ice rink that was uh, that was season one actually that yeah. um, so it was probably halfway through season one and and so at that point we'd already alluded a little bit to or at least the audience had perhaps put together oh Charlie and Sarah could be a potential future couple and so we kind of just l- stayed at that at that level for, you know, this kind of progress. Yeah. So it, it felt like that had sort of had played itself out, you know, needed to go somewhere else. And so I think that's probably why evolved a little bit. And it's also been fun to play because we've had all these little things and it's amazing how many small things, subtle things people will pick up on and then, you know, write on a, a message board or whatever. But then we have to go back and think, okay, there was all these episodes. How did we, you know, sort of evolve? And now we have to work that into, you know, their relationship as well. So it's, it's been good. It's been fun. It's, it's, it's fun to sort of see, uh, see new things in the characters. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Now, do you find, because I've read sometimes on, online, like the comparison obviously down here in Newfoundland too, especially when you film down here, is like there's comparisons with like 
certain shows like Republic of Doyle. You've had Alan Hawk on. We made the joke to Alan when he was on this show that like the leather jacket was a part of the budget where it's like he has to have the leather jacket. And <laughs> Alan did not like it. Alan joked about it. But like, yeah. do you ever like I kind of made reference to it. So now that I've had like the head honcho on, I want like kind of your input of it. But like yeah, you bring yeah. you bring in Alan Hocko, but you don't bring in like the whole kind of Republic of Doyle factor now. Mary Welch, very opinionated, respect her for it. But she was like, yeah, but that show's been over for like years. Why would they do that? But do you ever think there's a possibility that in the future episodes where it's like you have this big case and it's like, all right, we need help solving this. Do you think there's ever a potential of a crossover? That, that we need Jake Doyle to come in and, and yeah. uh, help us out. Maybe, maybe that'll I be mean, the episode I... I'm involved in because, you know, by this time you and Sarah maybe are married, got kids, and like on this big yeah. master plan abductor, and then you need the you need the help. I mean, I think that would be would be brilliant. I mean, um, and we okay, and we also have Alan Doyle on our show who plays yeah. a recurring character, and he was in Republic of Doyle as well. So we could have infinite crossovers, really. But we could. Uh, Alan Alan Hawko played my best friend growing up. Yeah. So I definitely think he could he could make a return via that. I'm not sure how um, CBC would would uh, <laughs> like us. Um, oh right, that's true. You know, yeah. I mean, not that I, I mean I have no idea, but uh, I, I like where you're going. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah like no. I, you know what? I like I, the thought I, process. Yeah. I didn't think about that because then there are obviously like there's rights to character names and rights to like hey you're using certain appeals to ours. It's like all right, it's not it's not Jake Doyle. It's uh you know. Jack, Jack Doyle or something, and then it's like we see where you're going. It's like yeah, yeah. but we didn't, but we didn't use the character name, so thinking outside the box. That's right. You just call him JD. Yeah, JD. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's always ways around things. I'm sure. Oh, there's always ways. Yeah. One of the funniest things about having uh, Hako on the show was. Um, he came up to me, it was the first episode of season two, and, you know, he came onto the set, and of course it's the same crew who had done six seasons of, of Doyle, and it's the first day, and, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had just come out. Okay. And he's like, I feel like DiCaprio coming to set, you know, T Timothy Oliphant's set, where he's got the, the Western show that used to be his show. Yeah. And and then he goes in and out and he's like he goes to his trailer, has six whiskey sours and he's like talks about the G D whiskey sours and and I hadn't seen the show at the, I hadn't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the time and I so I didn't I, I, I didn't really quite grasp what he, what it was that he was getting at. Yeah. But it was I watched it I watched it later that week and uh, it was pretty funny because in so many aspects we're the same you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of the same, uh, you know, people doing it, and we a lot of the same connections. They give us the locations and everything like that. So it's um, it must have felt pretty weird coming on there and playing a different character. I, I want to ask. I guess a little bit of a fun question here for you, but like you know, doing so many episodes, like, do you have a favorite or do you have a favorite scene? Because I feel like sometimes working with animals can be entertaining sometimes stressful you know for those i don't want to break the, the wall here but for those that don't know it's like you know necessarily john is not guiding the dog there is someone on the set that has control of diesel but do you do you like that aspect are there challenges to it like tell me the whole mindset of like your maybe your favorite episode and some challenges you deal with in terms of the dog we're not trying to like cast the dog to someone else or like you know about oh, yeah, animals sure. they can be challenging yeah, I, I love uh, it's like one of the, my favorite parts of the show actually is working um, is working with Diesel and Sherry uh, and, and Vic, who Sherry's uh, right hand uh, girl and their cast as well uh, as us. And I think it's unlike any show that I've ever done before, because we block and it involves training type stuff within it so it's it has like a different technical aspect to it but you kind of never really know fully what's going to happen and how he's going to react and so it kind of kind of forces you to be on your toes and it forces you to really be kind of present with what's going on yeah and diesel and i are we're good buds like um 
it's uh, it's really quite endearing because he gets very he gets very protective of me, and he gets he gets very worried if he thinks that I'm in a stressful state. Like we had a we had one one scene where we get trapped in a mine. And of course we're in the studio and we're under styrofoam beams and all this stuff. And, you know, on camera, it looks very dangerous and we're in this precarious situation and, you know, we're sipping tea while we're, (laughs) you know, in between takes or pretty comfortable. But once we got into shooting the scene and, and, and it, uh, you know, feels like we're pretty anxious and he's sitting there next to us, he was incredibly distressed. And, you know, he would, he, he would be, keep coming up to us to make sure we're okay. Also, if we're, you know, doing any fight sequences or anything like that, he's always, you know, he's always very cognizant of, like, if he's worried that we're upset and stuff. He's incredibly empathetic. And it's been, it's been cool. Like, we've really, we've really developed a bond as partners on the show that kind of is like the, you know, the partners in, in the show, too. So, yeah, I really like it. I, I want to ask in terms of like season five, like right now, as we speak, uh, it's probably either debuting or it's going to be debuted by this point. But like mm-hmm. what things were you excited about, like generally in filming season five aspects that you can kind of give us details um, without giving the whole picture? Well, without, uh, you know, without giving any Game of Thrones uh, spoilers. Exactly. There or, or anything uh, <laughs> along that lines. Um no red weddings in in uh, in, in here. One thing that I'm really excited about for season five is we shoot, we, we start we start shooting earlier, so we have less or we have more. We maximize our summer shooting. Nice. Which means we're going to be shooting in some really cool locations, and we're shooting in some places. Uh, you know, this year that we haven't shot yet, which is hard to believe considering, you know, we've gone, um, you know, 64 episodes already, but there's lots of cool locations. I'm really kind of looking forward to the new dynamic between the characters because all of our characters have some new aspects to either our job or our relationships, not to get too specific, but you know, each one of us has like, uh, you know, an, arc, an arc that we're, you know, sort of uh, our, our characters are, are following for the season. And it'll just be different than how you've, how situation our characters have been in the past. For Charlie, a lot of that might be sort of relationships with other characters. Uh, Jesse, it's more involved with his work. And so it's fun new stuff for us to play and i think it'll be fun new stuff for the audience to to see the characters doing different stuff and maybe not necessarily in their comfort zone all the time always fun to watch people scramble how do you feel like just like personally with yourself with the like your character charlie like because you know obviously as we mentioned earlier like characters develop and they grow like have you found charlie to kind of grow because i mean like there's still obviously the relationship like from the very first episode of you know, getting Rex to kind of trust you and, you know, befriend him per se. But like, what kind of things do you think Charlie has developed with over the years in terms of, because I I look at sometimes when you look at shows, sometimes it's like characters are pretty stagnant, but there's like little minor details that you're like, all right, in season one, maybe they wouldn't have responded that way. But by season five, they've gone through some shit. And it's almost like now they're like, okay, I see it differently. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't think Charlie's gone through too many, any sea changes or anything. Uh, be, I think with the sort of the procedural aspect, we've had to keep things uh, sort of fairly neutral in that regard up until now. I'd say, you know, but the, sort of there's been a, like a subtle intention to, you know, him and, uh, and Rex sort of play off on each other a little bit and they rub off on each other o- over time. So, you know, Charlie, when he first started, uh, was very good at his job, but probably lacked in his personal life. With Rex, I think he's kind of been able to patch a lot of those those leaks and his personal life. He's, he's starting to get more of a handle on that because of his relationship with Rex. It's informed him to be a better detective as well. I also think it's kind of like, you know how you, you know, when you have a pet, 
the pet kind of looks like the owner and the owner kind of looks like the pet. Yeah. I think there's that vibe going on too. Cause Charlie, you know, he was very buttoned down, had, had the tie, the suit. Now he's wearing, you know, cool jackets, shearling collars and stuff like that. It's, you know, getting in touch with his natural side, his animal side. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes it sound cooler. I was going to be like, he's getting in touch with his like dad side where it's like, you know, it's like, all right, it's like, I'm no longer like going to be this hard hitting, like suave guy. It's like, I'm just going to be like, Hey, it's like, that's that cool dad. <laughs> it's like it's like oh it's like cool dad mode has been activated it's like instead of you know like I, I'm, I'm glad they don't go that the full aspect because can you imagine when you like you know dig up a case or something instead of being like you know okay we got to take this serious you just come be like hey dude hey man what'd you do that for it's like seriously this guy it could be it could be an epic opportunity for for some uh great dad jokes yeah that's fair of which in my personal life i i aspire to you have i mean to kind of branch off from the hudson rec side to get into a little bit like because we like to have fun conversations here as well get a little know a little bit more about the actors or the people that we have on kind of transitions really well because when we're talking about dad jokes you actually have two young children correct yep I do. so so like uh what's the dynamic like what's the age and like what's the uh the gender well, I have uh, a four-year-old boy who's actually, his name is Hudson. He was born, uh, he's almost five, I guess. So he was almost a year old when the show started. And it was actually one of the reasons I ended up doing the show because my wife and I just bought a house in Los Angeles and we were moving into it. You know, when this show came up, they had asked me if I was interested in coming out East to work on it. And... And I said, well, you know, we've just kind of settled down here in L.A., so I, you know, I, I'm just not sure it's it's the right timing. And um, my wife read the script. She said yeah, I was out running errands or something, getting stuff at Home Depot to set the house up. And I came home and she's like, well, first off, the, your character's name is Hudson and your partner is German Shepherd. And I'm a huge animal lover and, and, okay. um, you know, grew up with, with dogs. And, and so I, I was like, Oh, well, I, I, I should probably read that then. And, uh, so I, I just, I love the script and I really wanted to do it and I really wanted to be in Newfoundland. So we, we came out here, but you know, we had only thought we were going to be here for two and a half months and now it's almost four years later, yeah. like, <laughs> which is, I uh, I want to ask you that. Like, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like, you know, it's it's, it's interesting to me because sometimes with like actors and when they send you scripts, it's almost like, okay, like if you're a high profile actor or like you got things under your belt and you say no, like that person come back and be like, all right, our loss, because we really wanted him. But listen, we can't go back to like Tom Hanks and say, all right, screw you, Tom Hanks. We don't need you anyway. Cause they're like, no, we, we kind of wanted Tom Hanks, but like for you, did you ever feel any pressure to, you know, if you say no, it's almost like, Oh man, like they're never going to come back to me any, any time ever again to ask. Cause we've had people come on that are honest and say, I'm worried. Like sometimes if I turn down a script, even if I'm in a bad place, it's almost mm-hmm. like, I, I just don't want to do it, but I don't want that to come across as like, I hate you. I hate your guts. I hate everything about the script. It's like, I'm just busy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a lot less like that as I've gotten older. I, I I definitely felt when, um, you know, I was first starting out, I had to kind of maximize every opportunity, but I've really kind of gotten to the point where I I've, I've found that if something is kind of a good fit, then that it tends to sort of work, work out, and if it isn't, it doesn't. And it's it, it, it's easier than sort of chasing it, especially now having kids. I feel like I obviously love my work and I, I love what I do, but it's kind of it's backseat to my family and what's best for that, for them. And so I kind of, I, I had no problem, had no problem saying no when it sort of felt like we were sort of setting down roots in, in LA. But once I was really excited about the project and my family was excited to go too, then getting here, it just all kind of fell into place because my son absolutely loves Newfoundland. My daughter, Anya, who is almost three, is a townie. 
<laughs> so she was she was born uh, she was born here in Newfoundland, and that definitely ups my street cred. Like, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> before yeah. that, I was kind of like, uh, well, you know, yes, you're from Halifax, but you're still a mainlander. But now I feel like I kind of. You like have, I have a tie a blood connection to the rock. So, yeah. And now we have, we have another one coming too. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, geez, John, like, you know, keep, keep them busy, but you know, <laughs> there, 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 there are times and places, you know, we I, figured I, I, just, just needed a few more Reardon's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reardon's in Newfoundland. Yeah. I, I want to ask, cause like obviously moving from LA to Newfoundland is a jump and, uh, and you know, there's, the, the aspects of I can see why people like LA I like the weather obviously there's sports teams there's plenty to do in LA but like I, I know obviously there's the tie of the east coast which kind of helps because I mean if you try to tell someone from like I don't know Boston or may, maybe but it basically I'll use the example of Boston if you're like you're in the states you either get to go to LA or Newfoundland I'm pretty sure they'd be like I'll take my chance with LA. I'll still root for my Boston teams. But if you tell them Newfoundland, like I have no idea where that is now, maybe they have roots to Newfoundland for ancestors, but I feel like the East coast five kind of helped a little bit being an East coaster for you to be like, Hey, we're going to Newfoundland. It's only an hour and a half away from where I'm actually born and raised. And, uh, we're filming here anyway. So why not compared to like, you know, but I'm sure that was a, a process in terms of like, okay, but like, Oh, like LA has good things too. So, I mean, I'd like to think it was the script that finally sold you, but were there other things in mind that you're kind of like, well, actually, if we get to go here, I'm excited to do this. I'm excited for this. It was definitely a selling feature for me to come for sure. Like, cause yeah. I love, I, you know, being here before I had loved it. And, you know, you just kind of like, even when I, I first got back, uh, came here, it's like the air is the same as home. The water is the same as home. I like walk around and I'm like everybody. And I'm, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, these are my people. And, you know, I'd been in LA for 15 years and I always kind of, you know, felt like I was trying to fit in sort of thing. I just, yeah. like, I just, I, I wasn't, I just hadn't grown up there. And, and, and so it was still, still a little bit, you know, new to me. And, and, had amazing aspects and I absolutely loved being there for the time that we were there. But I mean, I'm more of an East coast guy myself. My wife's from Victoria. Okay. So she, she grew up on the West coast, but her family has all moved, has subsequently moved out East. So it, it kind of just, uh, it worked. It kind of just fit. Yeah. 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 And I like, I like how, when you mentioned the whole LA part of like, you know, like, Oh, we've been for 15 years. And I was like, yeah, as, as if I know it's like, Oh yeah. I was like, I totally know about that. It's like, yeah, I lived in LA for like 15 years myself. Like, no, uh, <laughs> I hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji media is our new podcast for kids flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I want to ask to kind of uh, a little bit of a fun aspect here is like, you know, when you're filming Hudson and Rex, are there like, have they ever asked you to do something? Like, I, I know sometimes now we live in a world where you can you can say no, you can find ways around it. But they, have they ever said like, we want you to jump through a glass window, or we want you to like, you know, roll around in this dirt? But like, hey, you know, it's going to be down a very steep hill. Have you ever had moments yeah. where you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Can we, you know, can we work something else out? Well, it's actually been the exact opposite. Oh, okay. Go they, get her. Make me look. They really, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, I think, want to make sure and keep me safe as safe as possible, and uh, want to make sure that I'm, I'm never in in a situation where I, you know, feel uncomfortable or you know could get hurt. 
whereas I am far more reckless. And so I, I'm constantly asking them to let me do stuff. I, I feel at this point they're kind of they're kind of just like, oh God, who's gonna have the conversation with John now to, yeah, yeah. to say that he that he can't do this? But uh, I think there's been a good we found a happy medium of where they let me do some fun things that are that are relatively benign, and that's like satiated my my thrill seeking desire. Yeah, no, it's uh, I I just I love that stuff as as an ex uh, you know football player and athlete and stuff. I like to you know do that, all the physical stuff. But all right, that's fair because if they, yeah. if someone ever asked me like, hey Brian, we got this thing pitched for you, but you're going to like. Uh, jump out of an airplane. I'd be like, all right. And how much is that worth? And they'd be like, this is the paycheck. I'd be like, I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm afraid of heights. And then I'd look at the paycheck and I'd still be like, you know, is it worth it? And then they'd be like, that's a lot of money, man. I'd be like, yeah, but no, <laughs> it's like, I'd, I'd like to be able to live to cash the check, not like fall out of the sky halfway through be like, so guess what? He didn't complete it and we get to keep the money. So win, win. I'd be like, that is cruel. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a, that's a dark narrative you just created there. Yeah. I just like sort of yeah. went down that, uh, that rabbit hole there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not like, I just think of it that way in terms of like, cause sometimes you look at movies and stuff and you feel bad because like, I think it's like, uh, like, again, I mentioned about being a wrestling fan and there's a character or a wrestler named sting and they tell you how he developed his character from like the crow movie. I think it's the crow or, and then like, but you go in and read it a little bit more. And then obviously the actor, I think it's that movie that the actor like dies during the scene because they were supposed to do like a fake shooting. And like, it's a big topic obviously still to this day of like mm-hmm. the guns being loaded or whatnot. And I was like, yeah, I was like, how is that not, in today's world where it's just like with all like the animations and stuff you can do where it's like, can't you just maybe don't have that scene or like figure out a different way to implement that? Cause like there's, yeah. there's so many accidents that just don't need to happen. Yeah. And I mean, that is uh yeah, that's, I, I remember when that happened, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, actually the crow is one of the movies that I watched as a kid that real, that I loved so much that I loved movies and it kind of wanted to, you know, yeah. um, one, I wanted to get into the industry at the end of the day we're making movies and you know, nobody should ever get hurt and nobody should ever, nobody should ever be in a situation where they're fearing for their safety and feel uncomfortable like that. We're, when we don't even use real guns, like, uh, on set, we have guns that don't fire and they're, they're Ubisoft guns. So they don't even, they don't even shoot ammo. They have the action that's caused by a very, you know, gentle release of compressed gas. And, you know, you can do so much with special effects and it just, that's yeah, a whole other like, topic. That's a whole other <laughs> topic of, I guess, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're making entertainment to go on a brighter note here uh to kind of wrap it up john uh, that was I, a great movie though the crow yeah that was an absolutely spectacular movie and and uh i think one of those sort of you know cult movies for like if you were a teenage boy when that came out guaranteed you had the crow makeup at halloween you know one, yeah one halloween you, you i, I sure feel like dressed up. i feel like for my generation it was like going at halloween and you'd see just a whole bunch of people with scream masks and you're like all right we get it you like scream going to like a grade five like school party i'm like how many screams are in this room and then they got the ones that had like the blood pumps and then you'd see like the red I I don't know how they did it but like uh, he was there yeah. and i was just, i was like oh like that's kind of gross but Sure, we're all scream for the third straight year. Great! What a great scream movie that would be. All these kids going in scream masks, and everybody like, "Oh, everybody's wearing a scream mask." And then one, yeah, was actually the murderer. There, there you go. That's that's something to pitch. It's called it's called Dimension Films. Let's get this. <laughs> scream Eleven. Yeah, sc- yeah, Scream 11. Uh, I want to ask you to kind of close it out. Like, we like to have a bit of fun aspect. Uh, do you want to play a game of kind of random questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So the first random question here is, if today was your last day on Earth, what would be the first thing that you would like to do? Go get ice cream with my kids, with my family, I think. My kids like me more when I've given them ice cream. 
So I like to keep them in that zone, but like, fortunately, fortunately I have a wife who, who reminds me that I can't just constantly give them ice cream. That would be, that would be weird. if like, you know, going to university at Mun or something, if they like enroll in Mun and be like, Hey, your dad's here. I got you some ice cream. It's like, dad, I like, I still like it, but this is kind of weird. Don't you think you'd be like, just, just trying to earn some brownie points. <laughs> That's just building some equity. What is your biggest fear? Rats. Yeah, I don't like rats. Um, I don't mind spi- spiders and snakes, but when we were living in LA, I remember my wife said one night, she's like, oh, there's a bunch of squirrels running across the power lines. Do you mind going outside, turning on the light and scaring them away? And I went outside and I flicked the lights on and there was probably like 10 rats running across big Oh geez! Like long tails, big rats, man-eating rats. I'm sure. And yeah, I didn't like it. Rats, rats are up there. That's fair. I feel like my experience, like I, I hate heights, but my experience in terms of like just rodents is that when I was at Carlton and I came out one time, and it was like really early in the morning because we had like sometimes it was early classes, and you you had to get up and get ready and all this garbage and kind of associate with garbage because here was a raccoon just like right in and like i have never seen a raccoon full front like you know full in your face and here full it was frontal, just like a full, a full yeah, frontal yeah, raccoon yeah, yeah just like right <laughs> that right would be there. terrifying yeah this <laughs> is like right there in front of me and it was like i was like okay like i've dealt with squirrels where you kind of walk past or like whatever and it's like let them be but this guy was just looking at me like what's up and i was like do I, do I walk by and just be like, all right, you can go through the garbage. I'm not going to mind you. Or if he's going to look at me and be like, yeah. I know what you're doing. You're going to report me. And I was like, okay. So I just stood there and I was like, I almost felt like texting my friend and be like, I'm not making it to class today. And if they're like, why? I'd be like, yeah, just don't feel well. Cause you're not going to tell your friend like, Hey, a raccoon full frontal in front of me. And, uh, it's a bit much. So I'm, um, not he making scared it. Me, he stared me down. He wouldn't let me pass. Yeah. It's like, they just be like, tell all your friends or something. And like, you go on a date three years later. It's like, Hey, you the guy that was afraid of a squirrel, like, or, or a <laughs> raccoon. I'd be like, oh, to be fair, that raccoon was a lot more than, you know, what was in store. Uh, he was giving you the, he was giving you the Gandalf <laughs> minds of Moria. Thou shalt not pass. Routine, exactly. And how, and yeah, why, and why, why would I disobey? Why would I disobey yeah, that? It's, it's legit. <laughs> What would be your best case scenario for like a role that you would like to play? Um, I if you say if you say Marvel or DC movie, I'm just gonna rip you. I'm just gonna. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I that you're gonna start me on a whole other tangent because <laughs> I'm not I'm not opposed to comic book movies in any in any facet, but I just feel like. There's so many, man. The world, the world needs some new stuff. Yeah. And we're recycling the same old stuff. And I think, uh, you know, it's time, it's time to time for a little bit more, a little wider variety and things. I'd like to, Hmm. I don't know. I'd like to do something, shoot something really guerrilla style out in out in the woods somewhere 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 in kind of like an exotic location that's hard to get to like i always i always used to love you know watching the making of movies where they went somewhere that they you know you don't normally film like you know apocalypse now when they went to cambodia to film and you know brando just kind of disappeared and they had to rewrite the script because they had no idea where he was and you you can kind of feel like that they've gone, they've gone out into the, you know, into the the wilds. You know, Game of Thrones did that really well, with all the different locations that, that they were shooting in. That uh, you know, especially when they're up in north of the Wall and stuff, and you could just really tell that there were places that hadn't been hadn't been on film that much. So I think I'd love to do something like that. I feel Newfoundland would be really great for that because there's so many parts of the province that I think a lot of people haven't, you know, there's sort of the famous places that, you know, when you, when you come here and 
you know, people say, go see Cape Spear and, you know, uh, Signal Hill and everything. But there's so, like, the entire province is just like a postcard. Everywhere is a giant cliff going into the sea. And I feel like there would be some really spectacular, lesser known locations. And, and You're an East Coaster. Uh, like, I've, I, I've grown up in Newfoundland and seeing commercials from, like, Hockey Night in Canada where you'd see, like, visit Ontario.ca because they're showing you Ontario tourism commercials. And I used to love watching, like, the Marineland commercials, like, you know, watching – like, they used to have, like, just say a no-name singer that we didn't know the name of at the time. Now, there was one that they had Keisha Shante in when I was really small to kind of sell you on Ontario. And I, mm-hmm. and I used to think, like, okay, Parliament Hill – Hockey Hall of Fame, it's all got to be like pretty close together. I'm like, no, Ontario's pretty goddamn big. So it's like when you, you're like, you sold me on hopes. You didn't sell me on how much this was going to cost. But I feel like in <laughs> Newfoundland, it's like uh, my biggest takeaway with Newfoundland commercials is yes, you're selling people on the scenery. You're selling them on like, I guess, the language. And like, you know, we literally have commercials saying when you come to Newfoundland, the language is totally different from everywhere else. I'm like, don't know how that can be a selling point some people are like well then how the, how the hell are we going to get around if we don't understand the people but mm-hmm. my biggest takeaway is there's one that's like lansom meadows and then they show you the population and it's like five people i'm like i get you want to go to lansom meadows for the history but why do you have to show that there's five people living there like who's that for yeah. <laughs> i agree it's like you know i always find that when when you know like leaning into a cliche of the place you never you never get to know that place. Yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, it, it, I was, I a hundred percent know what you mean. Cause it's like, Oh, come to these places so you can tick off on your, you know, tick the box that you've been to these places. Sure. Those places are great, are great to go check out, but you don't really know. You just, you never get You never know a place until you spend some time there and meet some local people and you can kind of, you know, you can go get screeched in, have you uh, and, and get uh, I have yes okay yeah but actually before I came here so I don't know if it's official I got screeched in when I was at Mount A um, but I'm not counting uh, that I'm not counting that that's in Mount so, A okay no, so no, it's no, got to be on the soil huh yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I guess, I guess I'll have to head I, down to Christians. Yeah, I guess I guess you'll uh, I guess you're gonna have to take your whole cast with you and like you know make sure they're all screeched in if they're not already yeah. like born and raised here right that's the thing. Uh, I think I'm the only one who hasn't been okay. because, um, well, there we go. Season five won't be happening now. Cause the main guy hasn't been screeched in, not allowed. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I guess, I guess, uh, I guess we're gonna have to set this up. I, you're you're going to have to set it up. Maybe we'll set it up on a podcast and maybe we'll have it, uh, like a live stream. And then, you know, then everyone will be like, Oh, whew, now he's an actual Newfoundlander. Okay. Now we can go back and watch Hudson and Rex and be like, you know what? Official official now i like it i like it let's do that um so do i get to choose between the cod and the puffin the puffins arse no or, or come on that now, come on now. For me? i think oh, that's God. chosen man that's chosen it's, uh, I, just whatever whatever's uh whatever <laughs> we have access to i guess yeah i wonder like you know what i i wonder if there's other parts in other provinces like if they do that tradition because like i'm i'm very surprised with the way the world is now where they're having there hasn't been a case where people like, can we just get rid of the screeched in? Like it's no longer acceptable. I'm like, you know what? People probably don't mind the drinking part. They don't mind reciting the, the story that they have to recite. I, I do think the whole kissing in the cod part, maybe people would be like, I'm not doing that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like it's a part of the the routine. Like I'm, we're not I like, feel that's, I feel like that's the, like, that's the, the crux of it all. You know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you're going to climb Everest three quarters of the way. It's the last quarter that, yeah. you know, that's, that's the glory, you know, that's, that, that's the glory part. Yeah. So I like that. you. I like cod. that you're calling kissing the cod, the glory part. There are people out there that would probably be like, that is the worst part, but we have to do it. It's like, it's like yep. tying. Let's put it this way. It's like tying in the Stanley cup final, the game three to three to go to overtime. Yeah. You're happy. You're going to overtime, but you're also like so drained that you're like, all right, oh, it's like we got to win it now. Otherwise, we just tied it for no reason. So I feel like that's like kissing the cods. Like uh, I've, I've done everything else, but until I kiss the yeah. cod, I'm not full. I'm not fully complete. 
it's not because it, because it's the part that you least want to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's the part that earns it for you. It's like yeah. it's like okay, he can kiss a raw codfish on the lips. He's committed. Then he's 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 allowed to stay at least yeah. a little bit longer. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to John Reardon for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.